every wave at least has four or five mothers. The wave has the mother of the moon, has the mother of the bottom of the ocean, has the, has the mother of wind, yeah? Has the mother of direction, where the swell's coming through, yeah? Has the mother of the shore, if the shore is steep or, or, or flat, or like that. That's what defines the, the appearance of the wave, just like us. We're being defined by a lot of variables that we have no idea of. We're not uh, an inherent thing or an inherent object. Yeah. We're being blown and worked on and added and subtracted from constantly. Certain things are eroding, other things are growing, and it just goes on and on and on and on and on. Yeah. To say, to believe that we're inherently something and that if everything else would just do what we want them to do, this inherently something could really be what it is, and by being what it is, everyone else would be happy, is, a, is like chasing fool's gold. It's not the case. Yeah? <clears throat> like watch selfing. Selfing contracts, yeah? The activity of selfing that, that narrative, that, that uh, avalanche of thoughts, all about you, yeah? It always contracts around an idea. It contracts around an object, the body. It contracts around an idea, you, yes? It contracts around other objects. It contracts around situations. And when the mind is engaged in that activity, it's contracting constantly. When the mind entertains a possibility that it's not that, yeah, then a reverse act action occurs. It expands a little. So now it starts fitting itself around something. This idea, this message, yeah? It doesn't grab the message and try to include it or take advantage of it. It may try that. It doesn't work. But at a point, it will just expand and, and, and fit itself around the message, yeah? And then it finds its own largeness in that. So if someone entertains the possibility, I'm not that, that pause can allow an incredible shift in contracting, contracting, contracting into expanding, expanding, expanding. When you're contracting, the mind seems to be a thing. It's all about things. So it seems to be a thing called you. When it expands, it loses interest in being a thing and about things, and it expands into something more like no thing, yeah? And there's an experience of both. There's the experience of contraction, usually accompanied with anxiety, yeah? that you're going to lose what you have or not get what you want, yes? And all the preoccupation of trying to control, and if you can't control being right about things and this and that, all of them is like a failed system trying to defend itself, you know, so that it's not seen to be failed. Or when there's a, a relinquishment of that activity, that same mind that was fitting itself around this very strong, very small thing, objects, 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 now fits itself around no thing, which can't be defined. It doesn't have a shape or a size. So the expansion can go on and on and on and on and on. Yeah. So it's not really entertaining the message, it's the entertaining of the message. That, that's what, that's, that 
what is is get, gets revealed in the mind entertaining the message because the mind grow, has to grow to entertain the message I'm not that. Yeah, it has to contract to keep entertaining the message I am that. Yeah, it, it contracts and gets rigid and arthritic. You know, has no flexibility. It's living on being right and damn them and all this and all that resentments and all this shit happens. All of those are just the. Uh, the expressions of an arthritic, contracting mind. Then, hey, I may not be that. You start feeling better, larger, yes? You're not preoccupied with yourself. You can be involved in other people's lives. You can actually just be involved in life. And therefore, the mind expands, and, it, and there's an experience of that. You're going to be at the end of either experience. Either you're going to be participating in and as the contraction, or you'll be participating, hopefully, as the expansion. You may feel like you're in it, but at one point, you'll be as that. You'll be as what's expanding. Not in the expansion of it, but as what's expanding. Yeah? Then what Jesus says, you know, you're in this world, but you're not of this world. So you're in this world which is a lot of contraction, yeah? You're contracted in time, you're contracted in space, you live in a linear way, you can't expand, you don't ever live in a circular 360-degree way, you live in past and future. It's like a two-gear car. You just go in forward and reverse, forward and reverse, forward and reverse, and all you can basically see is all the scenery this way, but you can't turn left or right to get in it, yeah? And I'm watching it with people. You know, the, I've been involved in a in a, a community that has a very extreme condition of self-centeredness called alcoholism. And talk about possession. You see someone who you've been seeing sober, and you've been seeing their face and the emotions that 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 run over their faces for two or three years. Then they go out and they look like they've been possessed. The mental, you'll see that the body is just an expression of mind. Just watch someone who's been taken over by alcoholism or was not drinking and goes back to drinking. You'll see it. You'll see the possession, which you can't see, but you'll see the expressions of it in his face or her face. Yeah? In the eyes, especially. Yeah? So the mind is expressing in through this body. Yeah? And it's like a really hostile takeover. And it gets to a point with some people that I know, the solution is now part of the problem, which is mind-boggling. The solution of recovery, they've been in and out so many times that AA, in a way, is being used not to allow them to have a bottom, which is the only way it looks like someone will be taught, yeah? Because the greatest convincer is life, yeah? But they can always run into the sanctuary of AA for like three or four weeks, and then they go back out. And when they stub their toe, they get loaded again because it seems like the easiest, softer way. And they know, you know, they get arrested, and everything, and they have a whirlwind weekend. But then the next Monday, they go back into AA, and then they get sober for a few weeks. Yet there's nothing to really split them to keep them in there because it's easier to see in their head to go out again. So they never go past the one speed bump. The speed bump looks like Mount Everest. 
So in a way, the solution here, any solution here, can be part of the problem. Because it's the mind that's giving it all the meaning it has. Yeah? Look at spirituality. A lot of people would say that's the solution, but in a lot of their experiences, it's a problem, really. Yeah? It's, it's produced anxiety of the mind, a more judgmental quality concerning spirituality than it would be if, when you were bad when you were a kid. I'm not meditating enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not purified enough. It's the same, same. Same, same riff, but it's garbed in a more noble view. Yeah? So what's the exact nature? I don't like to use the term wrong. But what's the exact nature of what's going on? It must be of mind, from mind. Yeah? So what did Jesus say? As you believe, so it is. As, you th- as a man thinketh, so he, so he will be. He can't, he's not, he's not is that. He cannot be that, but he can appear to be that. Yeah? The thoughts have that power to project, project you as an appearance. They can't project you as that what they see, they think is appearing, because you are something already. That can't be projected. Yeah? But the mind, the mental process projects you as an appearance. And it thinks about you. Yeah? And you're furthered, and you're more defined, and you're frozen into a, a mental co- position and condition by the thinking of it. Yeah. Some some people are starving, they're, or they're dry as hell, but they won't accept a glass of water because they believe they should have had the glass of water already. Yeah. So they're denying the the thing they need most because they think they should have it already. Or I've heard this before, I had it once. And instead of just admitting the seeming situation as just that, a seeming situation, and get that seeming pail of water to put out that seeming fire, instead of using a, a philosophy, there is no water, and there's no pail, and there's no fire, when the experience is totally contrary to that. Yeah. This message never crystallizes. It never becomes a thing. You never got it. It's too alive for that, yeah? It doesn't hibernate. It's living. It's a living event, yeah? It's not a... It pulsed once 20 years ago, and now you're remembering it at, by echoing it all day. It is a pulse, like the blood pumping through you. It's a presence or a beingness that's always available right where you are, no matter what conditions you think you're in, be it mental or physical or emotional or situational. Whatever, whatever condition that's been thought about and put into a system of self-centeredness yeah, no matter what that is, the solution to all of its uh, 
effects is right there, right now, at all times, with no requirement necessary to meet it. You're the breathing this, you're the breath of it, you know? You can't be more in it. <laughs> so this is simple imitation. We just drop it in there and then we repeat it, yeah? Just do repetition, come back, hear it. Hear it, hear it, hear it, hear it, hear it. Don't be worried about if you're getting it or not, because the mind's getting it. It's already heard it, yeah. Its way of digesting may not be by conceptualizing it and deep freezing it like a coffee, you know. It may have to percolate and cook it, yeah. And so when you drink it, it's alive, it's got fucking flavor and stuff. Not just the name of coffee, but it actually smells like it and it tastes like it. Yeah, so it's going to digest, and you'll, you're on a need-to-know basis. Yeah, <laughs> but have faith in mind. Why not? I'm not saying have faith in conditional mind, but to have that bounce from conditional mind, which I would not be suspicious of, I would just inquire about it. That's all. Am I that? <laughs> I wouldn't be suspicious. If you think you need suspicion to be an inquirer, then alright, but I would just inquire of that, yeah? But the other aspect of mind doesn't need an inquir- any inquiry. Yeah? Have faith in that mind. Yeah? Have faith that it knows exactly what you're hoping it will get. <laughs> it already knows it. Yeah? It does. <laughs> There's nothing you can't know of itself. In a way, it is that. <laughs> Everything it hears can only, the best they can be is pointers. It does the rest, just like the self thing does the same thing. It points and points and points by claiming everything, and then the mind does the rest. The mind leaps into being the seer. The mind leaps into the position of being the doer. The mind leaps into the idea of being a body. Yeah? The, the mind makes the leap into the idea of being an owner of things and the haver of things. Yeah? Nothing is telling us that they, we own them. Everything is being used by mind to point to this phantom, this idea that's been, that's been clothed in conceptual flesh and blood. Yeah? It's just like a mental hologram. Yeah? It needs all of this activity of claiming so that it can be pointed at, and then the mind does the rest. It makes the leap and says, hey, yeah, I'm the thinker of these thoughts. Yeah? I'm the feeler of these feelings. I'm, there's the feeling, see, there's an awareness of the feeling, that's all it needs. That, it's just logic means, if there's awareness of the feeling, I must be the one who's aware, which is quite good, but then what it thinks the I that's aware is, is the body. It makes a little mistake. It's, it recognizes the, the movement of I, or awareness, but then it blends it or, or merges it with an idea of being a body or a mental idea of a soul or something. So it bastardizes the consciousness and, and spawns and has, a, has a, a wedding with that in the body and it turns into this glorious thing called me, which is what it's all going to be about from now on. And of course it's provoking a lot of agitation and, and unhappiness because first of all, the way it looks is it looks out for things. 
So it's trying to fill itself up with things, and sometimes the more things you have, the less satisfying it is. You ever notice that? Sometimes you get the greatest of great thing, and it almost leaves a more empty feeling in you when you acquire it finally, yeah, after a few minutes. It's, it would be, you, you would imagine by the, all the advertising that I'd feel so full, and if I got everything just the way I've been told to have it, that it would translate as an ease and comfort, and it would stabilize, and I'd feel really good. Yeah? And after getting a little help from the, the Ferrari and the trophy wife, maybe even if they li- leave, leave, I'd still feel really good. I'd get it now. Has that worked? No, then there's more Ferraris and more trophy wives. Yeah? It's always more, 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 more. Not one will do. Yeah? Because a thousand won't do. Yeah? It's like that hungry ghost, the small mouth and the big belly. You've got a huge appetite and your mouth isn't big enough to feed it, get all the food you need to get in there. Yeah? So our understanding, self-centeredness is a very small frame. For you to look really big inside it, it has to be really small. You gotta make a really small world to you to look, for you to look really big. <laughs> it's just the way it goes. It has to contract everything around you, and in the contraction you feel really fucking big and important. It's all about me. But you're a big fish in a very small pond. And we're suffering from, we're choking on the smallness of the space we're in. Yeah? It's like that marathon runner put in the closet. It's, it's driving him fucking crazy. He's walking around. He does like 8,000 laps a day. Just like a 2 by 6 oval. So where to begin? Right where you are. Who is that? Find out. Don't be so concerned if you should or shouldn't be worried about next week. That will come and be appropriate, hopefully, when next week arrives. But maybe question, who is it that's worrying about next week? That would have more value. The thinking about next week isn't going to have much value. The real value is asking, who is it that believes it's thinking about next week? Yeah? If that isn't you, then next week will be left to next week, in a sense. And you'll be here. The place you've never not been. Yeah? And after a while, it feels like you're being parachuted in, but you realize that's just a mental interpretation of always being here. The mind can't get that we're always here, so the best it can do is, hey, I've been parachuted into here, you know? And this here is wonderful, and I've been, I'm getting parachuted in each moment, I'm getting parachuted in, but in fact, you've never left any moment, yeah? The mind just can't handle that, so it still makes it important as you. You did something to parachute into this moment. But the real relevance is you haven't done a damn thing because you can't leave the moment. You can't leave the moment to sign up to the great noble mission of getting back in the moment. You can't leave it. That's out of the picture. All that nobility and the heroic activity, it's all taken out from underneath your little grubby mental hands because you're not even, you can't be out of the moment that you think would be so noble they can really get in. That's totally taken out of your hands. It's great. It's called humility. You get right size. And you, when you get right size, when you actually allow yourself to be right size, it seems to be a, like a compactor experience for the conditional mind, but you're huge when you're truly right size. Yeah? You're not of this place.
And then, in a way, you have what you could never have have, have which is the greatest advantage of all, which is you can travel lighter. Yeah. But not intending to travel lighter, it's just a consequence. Yeah. If I intend to travel lighter, I'll have to measure it with traveling heavy. It'll be the same saying. But as a consequence, there's an experience or a stabilization of your like daily outlook and attitude, which is traveling lighter. So you get exactly what you thought you wanted, not in the same package, in a sense, by not wanting it. Because you don't need to want something that you already are. It would be redundant, and it wouldn't work. You can't re-want something you are. Yeah? The only way you can do that is making it into something else. The only way you can want what you are is by making it into something else. The mind will make it into something else. Yeah? For us to want to know the truth is this, the truth has to be made into something else. Something that can be understood by this. When the real peace of truth is passive this understanding. So, I'd rather question this, yeah? And if I question this, you may find something out about the truth. Instead of not questioning this and then pursuing knowledge of the truth, which will only make you a truth knower. And it's not going to free you. You'll now be bond to the idea of knowing the truth. That's not freedom. I don't care how noble the idea is. If you're bound to it, it's not. It does. It's not freedom. Like the freedom is, you're freed from the need to be liberated. All that, you, all that you thought you really wanted to get out of, you find to be okay to be in now. Yeah? The mundaneness of life, the normalcy of life that you used to think meant something not good to you. Like, I should be way above this. I should be floating in levitation. I've got to go to the in- India or the Him- Himalayas or Thailand and meditate. It's crazy. Now you see all there is is in that moment doing the dishes or whatever, hanging out at your house. You don't have to go anywhere. Because wherever you are going to go, you're already there. Yeah? The mind wants to put it off in time, even if it's a second. I'll be really okay once I get home and read The Course in Miracles. That's not working. Somebody told me, I don't know if this is sure, people I used to know with The Course, they said the whole intention of The Course in Miracles is to read it, to do the 365 lessons, and then put it down. And go off and live from the perceptional shift that occurs. Yeah? Not to keep going over it, over and over it forever. Yeah? Have faith in mind, you know? Once something gets triggered, why do you have to follow its course the whole way? Are you worried it's not going the way you thought? Where does the, the faith is allows something to continue on without being watched over or observed or mentally observed and made note of and conceptualized and made into something, yeah? You get to the point where you're in I don't know and then you find out. And what find, everything you find out is really a temporary little head of tattoo. You don't need any tattoo because the real knowledge is I don't know. 
but you'll find out a lot of stuff, and it will be appropriately valuable based on circumstances, situations. When they change, it gets dismissed. It gets like dumped out because the real space is empty. Yeah, it doesn't need to be filled with knowledge. The, the, the true knowledge is the emptiness of the space. Yeah, so you get economized and pared down. You travel a lot lighter. You don't need to know as much. Yeah, you don't have twenty different incantations or anything. So it's like walking on what you think is thin ice. If you're walking on what you think is thin ice, you're looking down the whole time. Yeah, This is like having the faith that it's thick so you can look up or actually close your eyes. I used to love doing that in lakes up in New Hampshire. It was a big enough lake and I knew you can be frozen. You could close your eyes and walk like for 30 minutes without opening your eyes. It was really pretty cool. You just walk because <laughs> you're going to get hit anything. And you know, and this is the biggest one of the biggest reinforcements of the delusionary quality of what, what what's happening here is vision. You know, mm-hmm. the vision is is one of the, there's more reliance on vision than any other senses, and the vision is is one of the most entrancing uh, gates of consciousness. The consciousness moving through the gate of vision gets more entranced by seeing things than anything else, tasting, smelling, feeling, or hearing, yeah? So hearing is probably a lot better way to go than vision, yeah? Because when you close your eyes and you hear something, it sort of it sort of encircles you, doesn't it? It doesn't seem like it's coming from one place. Go down to the beach and you close your eyes, you're in, you are the middle of that sound. You're not like hearing it anymore. It's not like when you see something, there's always a separation with it usually. There's you seeing it, but hearing is different, yeah? If you wanna, if you wanna reflect or meet the master going through the gate of the sense, which is awareness or con- let's say consciousness, yeah? If you wanna meet it, I would say the gate of this, of audio is the better way than visual, yeah? Like you can hear silence, right? You hear, sit in this room, it's quiet enough, you go into a church that's old, it's, it's, a, it's like cacophonous, you know, it's so loud, but nothing's making any noise, yeah? The pews aren't rubbing their pews together. Yeah, the books aren't rubbing the stained glasses and screaming. It's just space and the mind. Yeah, I remember when I went into Ramana Maharshi. He had this cave he sat in, supposedly for nine years, in this mountain where he lived in India. And so you could go in there. So me and this guy went in there, and you'd sat there. Of course, you would just move to sit quietly, and you sit there, and it was so fucking loud in that cave. It was like unbelievable, like a nuclear reactor going off. You know, I mean, <laughs> you think, oh, I can't take it anymore, but a little's more than enough, because the mind won't forget. Yeah. What you're thinking, you're forgetting and needing to remember, the mind doesn't forget. Sometimes it hears it once and it's an unspoken yes. It reverberates forever from that point on here. Not forever because there's no forever here but in time. Yeah. 
You know, there's a statement, you need to do nothing. But if you really feel like you need to do something, you better do it. Yeah? Like in recovery. Yeah, the fact is you need to do nothing. Yet, there are, there seems, there seems, it appears to be true or false. And if it is appearing to be true to you, then that seeming has the ability to obstruct. It does. Yeah? It has the ability to be the shade that's blocking you off from the sunlight of the spirit. It's not so, but it's seemingly so. It's appearing to be true for you. You've given it that that power and that meaning that it now takes the appearance that you gave it, which is it obstructs you from that light. All the study about the light isn't your, all you'll have is a conceptual idea of the light, yeah? Because the obstructions aren't allowing you to have a first-hand whack of the light, in a sense. Yes, of course you are that light, but in a sense you're not getting that whack. So there are ways to deal with those mental obstructions. Like with when you have untreated alcoholism, the 12 steps of recovery are pretty good. What happens is they, they weaken the mental condition, which is giving those the seeming meaning of to things to be able to obstruct, yeah? Be it you, your past, your inability to concentrate, whatever it may be, yeah? When that mental diminishment goes down, the appearance is just like if you weakened the light of the projector, the appearances on the wall would weaken, yeah? You would see move, you would see through the appearances and see the wall more, wouldn't you? Because it doesn't have enough light to project a, like a big, thick meaning, a big, thick appearance. That's what happens. So then, what you saw as an obstruction, and you needed to get some highfalutin strategy to get around or over or underneath it, you now see that it's just an appearance you walk right through, and that there is no obstruction between you and the light. But if you entertain that there's no obstruction when there is, yes, that entertaining in and of itself is an obstruction. So now you're quote-unquote using this, the mind is using the solution as the problem. Because without seeing the, the seeming obstructions with this idea that there are no obstructions, yeah, you're not going to get either. You're not going to get the state of I need to do nothing in a way. And you're going to be denying the obstructions that are going to have a real quote-unquote uh, influence on you. Yeah. So check out your condition if you have some mental imbalances. Get the help you need when those are taken care of. When the mental diminish, uh, condition diminishes because some attention and interest is relieved from there, yeah, then you can really entertain the possibility that I'm on the other side of that shaded window, yeah. I'm on the side of the light. There is no side light, but in the in the picture I'm drawing, we're not in a room where we can be obstructed. We're not in a figure or a body that can be obstruct, obstructed from the light, yeah. And with, there's no way a five cent shade, shade, a flimsy fucking idea that this is so could block us from the sunlight of the spirit. It can only appear to be so when we're taking ourselves to be this, you know? A mental creature in a physical experience, yeah? If I'm not that, then what happens is the position isn't moved there's just, you were never in this position. You're now on the side of the light. You still see the shade, but you don't see it from the side it can obstruct you to the light. Yeah? You see it, but you're in the light. 
Yeah? Now that shade has, that thing that seemed to be an obstruction is still appearing, but it has no ability to obstruct. Yeah? Because now you're in the light. So instead of trying to leave this chair and find a way to get to the window and learn how to make the shade go up and her, and learn how to not pull it back down, because that's what happens quite a lot. People think, oh, I really let go, but then they, they hold on again. Or I surrendered, but now I'm taking it back, you know? That's like pulling up and down the shade. It's the light. So now you become the bigger God when it's between you and light. You're the biggest God because you can obstruct yourself from the light. So you must have more power than the light does. If you can say no to it, you must have more power. Yes? This is the whole drive of the relevance of self-centeredness. That's all the mental condition wants, is to have relevance. It wants to play God. So, if I'm not that, then you're in the light. Then you see the shade, just like you see the clouds, but you're on the sun side. The clouds can't keep you from the light anymore. They only can keep you from the light when you're on the other side. Yeah? When you're sitting there and the clouds appear between you and the light, then the clouds have a lot of fucking meaning. Because they have the meaning that they can stop you from seeing the light. Yeah? But what, same, same, same situation. Earth, sun, clouds, but if you're on the sun side, you see the clouds, but they have no ability to obstruct anymore. Yeah? Like Ramana says, you don't have to give up your possessions, give up the possessor. See? The possessions only have the ability to obstruct when, the, when, an upset, when a possessor gets formed from the activity of thinking you have those possessions, yeah? That's what obstructs you, not the possessions, the possessor. Yeah? Not the light, but being the seer of the light. Not God, but being the knower of God. That's what obstructs us. Now, experience of God is, I now know God. You become a knower of God. Instead of, like Ramana says, to know God is to be God. Much faster. Takes no time. So it doesn't mean you need to be vigilant or steadfast. Mind already is. You can't be more vigilant than always being so. You can't be more steadfast than always being so and everywhere. <laughs> you can't be more steadfast and vigilant than the mind itself. Yeah? Our attempt to, to mimic what we believe the mind is, is surely going to fail. How can you be vigilant every second of the day? Maybe you'll be vigilant every second until the second before you die. Then you'll be thinking of a pastrami sandwich and you'll miss the event of dying. So therefore, that one missed sentence, a second has the biggest influence of all the other seconds. So, you know, your vigilance really worked out. Steadfast. The one moment I've been, I've been unerringly staring into light and then someone just at one second says, hey, and then you get hit by the train. <laughs> But if the mind is steadfast and vigilant because it can't be anything else, it's always and everywhere, why not rely on that? Instead of playing that, like that three little, you know, when they have the three uh, cups and they hide something in it, the I, me, my, you know what I mean? (laughs) The one you think it is, it's never that. It always... (laughs) (laughs) Ha, 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 ha,
Are you sure? <laughs> as soon as you are the observer of it, you'll never see it. <laughs> it's losing total interest in it. Then you are, really. You can't have an interest in it like a topic. It's not like a genre of movies you like. It's just not like that, you know? It's actually best with no interest, really. No mental interest. Just living and realizing something is unerringly so. It doesn't seem to ever blink or look any other way or change or morph into anything or move closer or farther away. It just has qualities that you that are uh, surprisingly different than any qualities you see here, you know? Mm, yeah. Strange thing, man.